a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Manna. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Manna, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you are meeting on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. <clears throat> now, uh, for those of you who have listened to past episodes, uh, you know that our deal here on MANA is to feature uh, just regular guys that don't necessarily go around quoting scripture or much less working in the business of religion, if you will. Uh, they just have a great way of, you know, letting us know what kind of men they are by the way they live and the way they, um, you know, just kind of inspire all of us in their normal sort of like everyday kind of doings. And if you listen to season one, you know that I did break uh, our own self-imposed rule a couple of times. Uh, we had a, a Lutheran pastor, Joel Martin, and uh, an adult faith formation leader, Chris Kostelk. And, um, but, you know, I had my reasons uh, for inviting those gentlemen. And uh, just uh, for the record, those two episodes just happened to be a couple of the more, um, more highly listened to and shared episodes. So, so there you go. <clears throat> and um, so that long setup is by way of saying today we are really coloring outside of our own lines uh, with, with today's guest who... In addition to being someone I've had the honor of knowing and quite literally growing up with uh, for over 35 years now, um, and who throughout that entire time has always been the steadiest example of conscience and forgiveness and sacrifice um, and so many other attributes we're going to talk about here over the next few minutes. Um, uh, this guy just happens to be a Catholic priest. So uh, we are really bringing out the big guns here, everybody. So, uh, but in my defense, as with all of our guests here on, on, on MANA, this man is remarkable not only for what he does, but for how he does it and how other men like me can learn from it and be inspired by it. Uh, so anyway, I already mentioned several of his traits already, and, uh, but, but, uh, but I would add that my admiration and my debt to this guest also includes uh, my marriage, uh, because if not for our high school friendship and, and his permission uh, to ask his then 15-year-old little sister out, uh, I wouldn't have a shot at being half the man I am. Uh, it just celebrated uh, 25 years of marriage to, uh, to his younger sister. Um, in fact, I remember, <laughs> I remember asking you, I was so nervous to ask you, if you'd be okay if I asked Betsy out. <laughs> I, remember, I remember your response being more of like, like, really? Like, like well, sure, you can, but like, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's get into it with today's man up man, my brother-in-law, the father, Mark Wayman. Hey, Mark. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, and it, it has been a great friendship, uh, just great times of, of, and great memories Really uh -huh. great. So great. And just, I'm so, so, so glad uh, that you're taking some time here on MANA. And, and so, and, and it's very tempting, and I'm sure everybody who's listening uh, would assume now um, that we've got a, it's like having a big fish on the line. We got a, we got a real live priest on the show. And I'm sure everyone who's listening is thinking, okay, we're going to hear about 
um, uh, discernment. We're going to hear about how you came to to be called to the priesthood, and and, um, and we might. Okay, so we we may over the next few minutes get into that. But I, as you know, you're you're one of our our our, our few but mighty faithful listeners of Mana, as people yes. who are listening now. So thank you all. Um, and so as you know, we we start every you know kind of part of our our, our kind of Q and A. Um, because all the all the guys on Mana are very, I'm so blessed to know them, and there's so many great things about them. But we always start by by probing on a very sort of distinctive characteristic, something that is most for me um, notable and, and inspiring. And and so so that's so we're, we're going to start there. And we may get into discernment, which is great. But I really want to talk about I want to talk about obedience and. And I know that's kind of a weird word, and it, it conjures up, you know, a lot of things um, just in general about, you know, obedience of following the rules or or just doing whatever you're told. But but you know, my whole life of knowing you, and and before you were a priest, and as you're a priest, and but as you're a friend, and as you're a, a family, as a bro- as an uncle, you display un like unflinching obedience to to whatever you are being called to do. And I think that is what makes you such a remarkable man and person. And and so in preparation for today, because that, that's what I wanted to talk, I wanted to start talking about, but I wanted to kind of look into what the, where the word comes from, where obedience comes from. And it comes from a Latin word called, uh, and of course I didn't, I didn't write down what the Latin word is, like obedien or something like that, which means to be subject and to serve, to pay attention, and to give ear, which I think is really cool. So, so when you think of the word obedience in that sense and how much you are, you've always been so mindful and committed to what you feel you're being called to do whenever, at whatever stage, whether it's as a friend at 16 years old, as, as, a, as, a, as a college student and as a, as a you know, fraternity brother, as, as a worker, and then obviously now as, as somebody who is serving in a very formal capacity. So I just, I'd love to talk about obedience and how at times in your life when, like with all of our lives, it's really hard to, to, to just stay true and just wondering what you attribute that to. And is that something that has been a conscious, you know, kind of commitment for you, your, your life to, to basically... You know, once once you know, you know whether it's what's right or wrong or, or, or the path ahead, you are just very obedient to that path. And I just wonder where that where that comes from, or does that surprise you that that's, that that would be something that I would that I would kind of cite? I you know, I mean, I, th- I think it's a it's a great gift, and it's a it's a challenge at times to be obedient and and to know um, trying to discern the right in in anything. Um, and I can be too much of a rule follower at times versus seeing the person in front of me. But I think that you, you kind of asked a little bit about where did that start or where, where did that come from? And growing up in a family of seven uh, and the second youngest, I you know, saw five um, brothers and sisters go through my family before me and uh, of varying degrees of personalities, varying degrees of being obedient to my parents. And I really tried to discern kind of which path uh, I would follow early on in, in those 
watching how reactions uh, to my parents uh, or reactions of my parents to my brothers and sisters gifts and faults might have been. And I'm like, you know what? I just don't like to get punished. <laughs> <laughs> kind of carrot and stick. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think there was a lot of like, not fear of parents, but um, just a desire to please. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that then that, I think that characteristic follows through in, in life for me. Um, which is which has been a very uh, again a, a blessing and, and at times a curse, but for the most part it's, it's a blessing because I follow what is expected of me, um, and yet sometimes it can be uh, to the detriment of of the person in front of me and, mm-hmm. and and trying to be more compassionate and just you know hearing confessions has really um, helped me understand more you know what? It's not all about obedience. There's a great gift of God's love in the midst of, of it. Hearing my own, going to my own confessions and hearing other people's confessions. Mm-hmm. It's just really like, wow, we don't all have to follow the rule, but we can say sorry when we don't. Yeah. How, you know, one thing in, in, in a specific, um, specific example of that, <clears throat> of obedience that, that always struck me when we were all very excited when you were going through the seminary and becoming a priest and, and there was, um, I'm sure you just kind of giggled at, you know, we were all so excited to know, well, where are you going to go? Like, what church are you going to be at? You know, and, and, and so, you know, we all had our home parishes and we're like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great if you like were a priest at, you know, at our church or this church? And I remember, you know, it, almost it, for the rest of us treating it like a job, like, well, you know, where are you going to interview? You know, where are you going to, you know, where do you want to be a priest? And, I, and, and that was an example of obedience where you were so, and you still remain today. You're like, well wherever I'm like, where, you know, you used more elegant words than this, but it was like, wherever they, wherever they put me, like, that's just, that's, you you take a vow of obedience. And, and, and I just remember admiring that it was almost like this, not, not surrender in a bad way, but just this, like, you know, I'm not gonna worry about it. Like that, like this is like one of the benefits of taking a vow of, of obedience in this regard was like, all you had to, all you, all you were using your, like your, your energy and your, um, uh, sort of like you, you didn't have to direct any of your energy toward worrying about where you're going to like do your work. It was, you know, somebody's going to, you're going to, you're just going to get placed. And, and so you could just direct all of your energy then on doing the work, not worrying about where the work was going to. Yeah. And I think that that obedience is is very freeing. Yeah. It is just so, um, and and that I really enjoy in priesthood. You know, they, they, you think that you're taking this vow of obedience, and it's going to be, you know, thumb down, and and you know, you got to do this and this and this. But it's it's very much more like I don't ha- like you just said. I don't have to worry about the future like yeah. okay there's always going to be a parish that needs a priest <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> and, and, and more parishes right, that need right. priests than we have priests yeah. but um and, and so it's just freeing to go you know what it doesn't matter i just need to love the people in front of me and and you know quite honestly at times it's like you know what it's the bishop's fault for placing me here it's not a great <laughs> fit but hey it's um maybe he knows something that i don't know and and, and, and the Lord knows something. And so it can just be yeah. 
I don't have to put the pressure on myself to succeed. Yeah. It's like, huh. Yeah. Um, so it, it is much easier in that, in that realm. How did, how did, and whether it was obedience or maybe some other of your just wonderful characteristics and traits, how did, well, we'll start with obedience and if it was something else, then please go there. But we talked briefly last night, um, and for those that are listening, just to give you a little bit of context, uh, Mark and I are up here with our family, our extended family, at our annual family reunion. So it's just just the best weekend of the year. So we've got all of the kids and and, and the aunts and uncles, and it's just wonderful. And so last night we were sitting around the campfire and, and talking about, you know, kind of that, that um, little bit of the discernment and, and giving yourself the time to really, to really listen and, and think about, you know, what, what were you being called to? How much did... And maybe in hindsight, now you can look back on it and kind of like put a, put a name to it. But how much of that process and being open and just giving yourself the time to really like listen and, and, and listen to your heart and listen to what, where God was directing you, how much of that was, was in hindsight obedience or was it something else? You know, was it, was it just a was – it, was it more – just being really, really open and, and was it more about, was it more of a confidence thing of just, you know, wherever this ends up, I'm just going to be okay with it. Or was it, did you feel like it was a sense of obedience or was it a different, a different, would you put a different word to it? You know, I would say growth actually. Okay. Um, in, in the sense that, you know, somehow I figured out that I should go to the seminary and the seminary is for me who, I got an accounting degree. I had to do two years of prerequisites with the undergrads for a philosophy degree, um, pre-theology, and um, some theology classes and philosophy classes, and then four years of major seminary. And, and with that, it was really understanding what priesthood is, but more so understanding who I am as a human person. Every Wednesday, we never had classes, and it was human formation, spiritual formation, um, and, and just really understanding more and more, am I comfortable with myself? Mm. Um, am I comfortable with my weaknesses? Am I comfortable with my strengths? Um, can I interact with other people well um, in, in that sense? And so I think that it's, it's, a, it's a growth process. I wish, I know I've, I've said this a lot, but I wish everybody could go through seminary um, in the sense of just taking that time out of your life to really understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was after working several years in the, in the accounting field before going into seminary. So it wasn't even, I was a super young kid. Um, but, um, so I think it's, it, it, it was a growth process to understand what, um, who I am, what priesthood is, what the church expects, how God can move in my own heart. Um, I, I, Halfway through seminary, I, I decided if I didn't know and couldn't pray better and didn't know Jesus better, it'd be kind of silly to be a priest. And so I would. I went on a 30-day retreat uh, that I talked the seminary into allowing me to do um, after much wrangling through them because <laughs> uh, they weren't used to that. Um, but just just being able to pray better, to be able to be next to Christ and be comfortable, like, 
praying five hours a day with nothing else to do. Yeah. And I remember at the end of that, that they told us, uh, you know, you're going to go back and remember that your family, all your friends have had 30 days. You, you know, we were there from July 15th or so until uh, uh, June 15th until July 15th or so um, that they've had this time too. So I remember calling Annie from the airport uh, because I finally could get to a phone. That was before cell phones. Um, and my sister, I called my sister, and she told me how this tragic accident in the whole United States was talking about this woman that uh, killed five of her kids in a bathtub. And uh, I just remember like, yeah, that's great. She wants to talk about this, and I don't have to talk about yeah. my last 30 days yeah. of what the excitement of of what God was moving in my heart, I could mm -hmm. just listen to her. And so it was even, even that, like just that last minutes before they, before we left our retreat, they were telling me something that I'm like, ah, oh, I can use this. Yeah. That you is, know? it's so true. I think you're right. That, and I remember when you went on that and since when you've been on, you know, these silent retreats and just being very, <clears throat> I know we're not supposed to envy <laughs> or covet things, but every time you do that, I, I, I'm very envious because I do think that is something that, you know, just that time to, to be still and just to be just reflective and open and just, I don't know. And it's not removing. I don't think it's a, you're not, it, it, to me, I don't look at it as, as a you know, fleeing things. It's more, you're going towards a really positive like experience that, just there's power in the isolation, you know what I mean? Right. It, it's just, uh, it's not, a, it's not a, you're not, um, retreating. I mean, you're retreating, but you're not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a matter of, of, of removing, um, yourself. You're actually, I see it more as you're, you're intentionally placing yourself in, in a situation to, to being, and there's a lot of power in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's power in silence, you know? And a power in, in, in freedom. I mean, there's just no responsibility for 30 days. Yeah. I had no car keys, no, you know, no yeah. nothing. Couldn't look at the paper. Couldn't, you know, yeah. um, it's just really like I can focus on my one thing, yeah. my relationship with God. Yeah. And, uh, that's so. a, that's a good, that's a good segue. I, and I don't, I'm not, I, we're not, we, there's no, as no. people know, uh, there's no, there's no time limit. We're not, we're not, uh, beholden to any network thing so we don't we don't need to rush but but i love this as a little bit of a segue into something i, I also wanted to ask you about um because as with your day job obviously you 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 minister to so many people uh, and not just men you know men and women um but our bit here is about men and and really kind of exploring you know just some of the unique challenges and opportunities that men have to to be you know strong men of faith and, and inspiring men of faith like you are. And so is, is it, uh, and I'm just going to throw something out there and, and maybe you'll be like, no, that's, that doesn't make any sense at all. But when we talk about being um, the benefit of like these retreats where you're removing yourself from things and all the stresses, whether it's work or, you know, house payments and bill or whatever, when, 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 as you see men, as you, as you interact with men and are helping men, build a stronger faith life is it is it are those distractions more pronounced with men or is that is that is that one of the you know barriers that you see that that impedes men from from being just 
more comfortable in their faith or, or, or not? Or, I mean, is that, is I that think not? it is. I think there's, I think there's actually even a biological thing, you know, God made man and woman different. And if you look in, in tradition, now this is just tradition. It's not set in stone in every, every woman and every man, but God made men physically stronger. And I think he made women spiritually stronger. And if you look at the homes, usually the woman is running the spiritual life of, of the home, um, getting them to CCD, teaching them these things and whatnot. Um, but it's interesting because because when I can talk to men about being men, I also remind them they are supposed to be a leader in the home. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is especially in the, in the, in the way of, of religion. And so how are they... Um, how are they taking that on and um, either supportive of what their wife is doing? How are they encouraging that one way or another? Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was just a very silent um, partner in that. But I just knew that he had a, a, a deep faith. Um, my mom would always tuck us into bed every night, each one of us individually, kneel down next to each of our beds and pray with us. Um where my dad didn't take on that role. But I just remember my dad just being so faithful in his commitment to the faith, to getting to church, to making sure that we got to church, um, along with my mom. But there was there was something there that inspired me because my mom always did the religious things, mm-hmm. but he always made sure that we were, we were doing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. And just that, un, you know, talk about your... your unwavering you know sense of obedience and duty and your dad was exactly the same way there was it was a very there was never a question ever and um were there other guys do you remember like growing up you know whether they were you know maybe official like you know priests or or other but were there other other guys maybe classmates i don't know that that you looked up to from how they were particularly kind of faith filled or, or was it, was it, did that not come until kind of later? You know, obviously you, you know, and by the time you're in the seminary, you're surrounded by all these like amazing men, you know, learned men and great, you know, homilists and stuff like that. But do you remember growing up? Were there any other, other men? I, that I would not, it, it, there's not coming to mind right now, um, before starting the discernment process strong, but but I, but throughout my life, I've looked up to different people, friends. You, Jeff, even though you're a year younger than me, I still looked up to you. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, in the in the in the fraternity, I looked up to different guys for different reasons. So, um, you know, even I went out to New York with uh, about two or three years after college, and went out there because one of my uh, roommates moved out there, and he, another roommate and I went out and visited him. Uh, we were up very, 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 very late one night, uh, and had, uh, the fun of New York. Uh, and I'm like, well, I'm going to get up and go to church tomorrow. And I really wanted to go to the cathedral cause the Cardinal was going to be there. And, um, so we get there and unfortunately it's the Knights of Columbus mass. So they took up the whole front sections and I had to sit behind a pillar and watch it on a TV screen on the pillar. Um, <laughs> but my friend, you know, um, he wasn't going to go and, Right at the last minute, he's like, I'll come. And he's throwing on his you know, T-shirt and, and his shoes and, and coming. And, of course, during the collection time. And I don't want to use his name because he actually, uh, you actually still know him. And others might know him. Uh, but during the collection time, of course, he had to 
conveniently leave the church to uh, <laughs> show me after mass where he threw up. <laughs> so, but you know, but I still admire him for him even wanting to get up in the prompting of me helping him get up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though the night before he was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, but he, he's, you know, so that, that even strikes me as just like, I look up to that, even though maybe I prompted him, yeah. but he took it. Yeah. No. And I think there's, there's, there's power in, and there's power whenever we have friends, men or women, that that recognize that that what he recognized was that was important to you, and you were important to him, and so he wanted to be there. It reminds me just really briefly, um, a similar but not the same. Uh, there was a it was a couple of years ago, and there was a kind of like a um, speaker or not a retreat, but some something going on at the church that that we were members at at the time, and. Um, but it was definitely a churchy kind of a thing. It was like at night, and, and um, I, I asked a bunch of guys, a bunch of friends, to, hey, who wants to go to this? Nobody took me up on it except one guy, and I won't mention his name either. Um, but he went, and uh, he sat there with me, and it was we had adoration, which, you know, I loved it. And I, But, you know, it's not for everybody, But and, and, and it really was a little bit out of, of this guy's comfort zone too. And um, But we did it, and... And when we left and, and we, you know, went our separate ways. And I called him in the car on the way, on the way home. I said, you know what, I just, I really appreciate you coming to this. And he just said, you know, he said, I knew it was important to you. And that's why I wanted to be there. He said, I'm glad I, he said, I'm glad I went, you know, but, but I knew it was important to you. And I, th- I think that's also a really, uh, a neat way for other, and again, men and women, but it's a great way for men to express their ordinary grace and faithfulness in just being supportive of others, you know, right. loving each other. Like they say, you, uh, lay, laying down your life for a friend is not, doesn't have to literally be dying for a friend. You know, right. it's just laying down your life is, you know, maybe making a sacrifice and being there for, for each other. So that's yes. really neat. All right. Well, well, now we are, um, one thing that hasn't changed from season one to season two, we, uh, we, uh, because we are in season two, uh, is our is our fun segment and uh, if you still haven't figured out a name nope, for that? No, no, no. There's still we're still working on that. So people keep. Uh, it's funny people keep saying that they're gonna give me better names for this, and they never do. So you know. So it's still the fun segment. So same three questions, um, and uh, and so we're gonna keep uh, we'll keep working this until until we come up with a different name, I guess. So uh, fun segment question number one. <clears throat> and again, I just want to remind everybody listening. So we are we are we are literally talking to somebody who is a is a priest, is a is a is, is a modern day apostle of the Lord here. And so these um, no pressure, but these answers better be really, really good. <laughs> oh, you're setting that up way too high there. <laughs> All right. So fun segment question number one: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out for the day, uh, what would you do with him? Well, I thought about that. I thought about it just doing even season one when you when you had it. Just each each time I'd listen to the broadcast, and uh, you know, I never never really came up with a good answer. And then you're like, "Hey, we're going to do yours today, so you better think of one." <laughs> um, so I I really thought about being very selfish, like just asking Christ what He sees in me and how can I improve. Yeah. And and that would be my day of just listening to him uh, illuminate the, the areas that I'm doing fairly well in and the areas that I could definitely improve in. Yeah. Some of them, obviously, I know both both sides, but it'd be great to hear it 
from him directly, uh, more than just in my prayer life, but just more hearing it from his words and his yeah. kindness and his gentleness. Yeah. No, I, that, that, it's the best, uh, best counseling session ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? All right. Question, uh, fun segment question number two, kind of related, but you, but on this one, you, you actually can't say Jesus cause we've already talked about Jesus. Um, uh, and he's already, he's been busy telling you all these great things about you. So question number two, if you could go to church, uh, go to mass, with any other man, living or dead, who would it be? You know, again, there's a lot of people I would love to go to Mass in, so I apologize for uh, not asking you to be there. But I thought about it, and it would be John Paul II. Um, again, being a priest, I I have a lot of Masses. Even uh, we're just coming out of quarantine or in quarantine. But just that ability um, that I have to have Mass every day, and I've been to Rome, and I was in Rome in 2001 um, at a general audience with, with the Pope. Um, but just to have John Paul II in his chapel, and he lead the Mass, whatever language he wants. It's great if it was in English, because that's the only language <laughs> I know. But I wouldn't ask him more than that. I wouldn't push my luck. Um, but just to see how he would say Mass, which was just with myself, or uh, and just to be in the, his presence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. All right. And finally, fun segment, question number three, kind of getting back to what we're, what we're trying to do here on mana. And I'm sure this has actually been something that you've been called to do a lot, uh, in a formal capacity. So if you want, you can just take out something from the greatest hits, but this is specific to what we're, what we're doing here with mana. If you, if you had one piece of advice to give a young man today, just about, you know, just being more comfortable in living his faith. What would that piece of advice be? You know, I think it's, it's um, it actually comes from, from my experience actually at St. Olaf, um, more so, which is more young adults to even older men. Um, and there's not many teenagers there. There's not many young families there, um, period. But if if you go to like 7 a.m. Mass, and my mom used to go to 7 a.m. Mass, and she always say, you know what, I love going to that Mass because it's mostly filled with men. Mm. Um, and it's the, it is actually the only Mass that I've ever been at that men way dominate. You know, 70, 80% of the people there are men. You know, you go to any other Mass, and it's a lot more women, um, widows and, and that stuff, obviously. Um, but... For those that, that don't know, so St. Olaf is a downtown Minneapolis Catholic, that... Catholic church. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. Not the college. Um, <clears throat> right. But uh, so it is downtown. And so that it's a lot of businessmen and women, um, but more businessmen that happen to come to Mass there. But I think that what I've learned from there and what I've learned from listening to the men, talking to the men um, in many different arenas is their... Um, sexual uh, frustrations and and I think that it would be to say you know what God loves you in the midst of that own struggle and you're not alone and can you love yourself hmm. in the midst of that struggle yeah. um, and and I think that they they uh, appreciate that and they they continue to come back and we, we continue to talk about it and we continue to wrestle with it but it's loving themselves and not knowing that they're not walking that journey alone and that there's hope. Yeah, that's so great. 
Do you find a little follow-up question? <laughs> fun fun wait, segment wait, question wait. number three. Yeah, okay. <laughs> three well, no, just so, like, do you find, are you, you know, when you think of how much you are, and outside of like, f- like formal like confession or reconciliation, do you find yourself ministering kind of an equal proportion to men and women or, or is it, is it, is it more to men? Or, I would say in other parishes, <clears throat> it's more women. Okay. Um, just that they're, they're willing to wrestle with the question or they're struggling with how to raise their family and, and yeah. this, and they'll come and approach me. But it, at my current assignment in downtown Minneapolis, it is much more, um, men, which I've actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and 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 challenges me differently, right? A yep. new, a new challenge that I need yep. to hone my skill on. And I've thought about it actually just today when I was thinking and praying about this podcast, and uh, and uh, I was thinking, you know, there's a, a there is a bit of irony when when I th- at least I think there is when you think of the church just and and how and and even in the season now when we're talking about you know Eastern now Ascension Sunday and. And and how now that the, the propagation of the church itself was you know largely you know twelve guys that and 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 they were all guys you know and they were all you know un unabashedly bold and just and literally died for the faith and and then and then when you fast forward now two thousand years it's like okay these are the these are the like the, the church was built you know a lot and and obviously built with women as well but when it, it, you know now that we're we're talking about like how do you get guys to open up you know how do you get guys it's like oh my gosh like like what happened you know over the, that, yeah. over the you know over the course of the years it's like it's uh so i just and i think we need the women obviously in the church yeah. but but this this podcast is more directed towards men so yeah. that's where yeah. the answers are coming from a little bit just yep, totally totally um, yeah no we're, we're still waiting and, and the offer is still out there and i know there's a lot of very very wonderfully faith-filled women who could be hosting a podcast called Womana or something like that. So yes, it just doesn't have the same ring to it. So thank you, Mark. Well, thank it's you. Been great. I, I would just like to end um, just by blessing everybody that's listening and blessing those that needed to hear this and those that uh, will, will be inspired by your continued work to reach out to men through this. And so let us just... Offer them a blessing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to bless all the men, those that are struggling in their vocations for one reason or another, those who are anxious and worried about where God is calling them or moving them, those who are worried about financial issues, those who are worried about health issues, those who are worried about relational issues, that they continue to turn to the Lord, continue to be blessed and strengthened by especially a man near them, that they will reach out, that they will take the risk to ask for help in the midst of their own struggle and to be blessed and to share their faith with one another. In the name of the Father, Mm -hmm. the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Mark Wayman, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.